You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 165 of Besiktas International, the Black Eagles podcast. I am your host, Sinan Schwarting, live from New York City. Uh, lovely spring, all that, blah, blah, blah. We have a lot to talk about today. Uh, and on top of it, we have a, a, some, some really good news for the podcast. A um, returning co-host... The Akman, how you doing, man? How, how how are you? Where are you? Where what's happening? Yeah, I'm doing alright. Uh, back home, yeah. in New yeah. York. Licensing issues, right? You you almost got a taste of. I mean, it's funny. You got a lot of insight into Turkish football and uh, yeah, the 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 problems that it that exist. But perhaps that's not. For public uh, consumption. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it was. I ran into some paperwork issues, and then at the same time, the country of Turkey is now in lockdown because they have upwards of sixty thousand COVID cases a day. So even if I was eligible, um, the league would not have started at, as planned. So you know, it was a kind of like a double whammy. Yeah. So I went home. I just saw a chart of like the respective, you know coronavirus sort of numbers um and the only country on the, on the chart that was trending upwards was turkey and it was not looking good um, no yeah it was a bit of a disaster over there so you know of course thoughts and prayers <laughs> to everyone in turkey i <laughs> uh, hope you're, yeah. you're taking care of yourself mask up um but you know honestly here in the states folks can do more of that too i mean i know we're all getting vaccinated and we think we're invincible but that's not quite how it works i i hear um but anyway let's not get too diverted because we have so much to talk about today um and, and i'm gonna try to keep our usual material brief um obviously we have to talk besiktas ankaraguju i'm a huge match with with a, a very important result that will impact you know will send reverberations around the league but um, even more importantly, somehow, is uh, some other news that's just come up, and in part why we delayed till now to talk. Um, so before we even get into Besiktas, I think we have to talk about the the gorilla in the in the corner, if you will. Um, Evron, what what like I guess try to give me the the overview of. The Euro European Super League news. It's funny. It's called yeah. hashtag ESL, which is English as a second language. And as an ESL yeah. teacher, I'm like, oh, here we go. Like uh, ESL hashtags. Like I can get my podcast out there. No, like if I even try to hashtag ESL right now, it'll probably get bar- a barrage of, of hate tweets. Think people thinking I'm talking about a terrible idea. Uh, but so sorry. Go on. What is this terrible yeah. idea, everyone? So um, the. Well, not the, but 12 uh, football clubs in Europe that have large um, brand value. I guess that's the best way you can describe them. Decided that they no longer want to be part of the Champions League. And um, signed off on, uh, you know, separating from the Champions League to play their own midweek competition. um, That would have no promotion or relegation. Um, Those teams... The founding teams would have a guaranteed spot every single season, and then um, they'd be uh, generous enough to let um, five other teams join in every season. The generosity, I mean. It's yeah. Just so of course, though, the thing is, is guaranteed income for the 15 clubs every year. Um, so that's the plan. Um, you know, if, with the Champions League, um, even with the concessions that were passed, um, you know, there's no guarantee that you can be in it. 
Um, and like you know, even this year, you're looking in England, for example, where there's six teams in the Super League. Uh, West Ham and Leicester City are occupying Champions League spots right now. So you know, obviously, two teams from the Big Six have to miss out on that income. Um, so they're panicked. Guess, they're really panicked. Yeah, they guess they you know they have a God-given right apparently to to that income supposedly. So that's. A funny, uh, a funny situation, um, and obviously, like in in reporting that as news, you have to report the public outcry against it, from obviously everyone, from fans all the way up to players and coaches. Um, Jose Mourinho supposedly lost his job because he was against. He spoke out against Tottenham getting involved. Um, yeah, he, he's lost his job, but they haven't hasn't been officially, you know. You know, not all the, the details are confirmed, uh, yeah, but he yeah. has lost his job, yeah. I mean, to be fair, he's also not quite performed up to, to what yeah. they'd hoped for either. But um, also, but like Jurgen Klopp has come out, you know, Liverpool also was a part of it. But Klopp has come out as against it. So, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if they anticipated this much of a, of a backlash, but it does seem like they anticipated a... Um, a professional backlash, right? So they, they've they come out and said that they'd already prepared, like, legal teams um, to counter, to, like, fight back against what they'd anticipated as a fight from, like, UEFA and them. Um, so they obviously, they knew there was going to be some pushback um, on a sort of institutional level, but they clearly did not anticipate the extent to which everybody in football hates their stupid idea. Um, well, they just don't care. They answer more of it. They maybe, just don't care. Yeah, because and, and like that's probably where we need to talk about some of the information we have. And and I think it's important that we, as two, you know, whether we want to identify as this or not, as two Americans, um, it's important that we come out against it because I think there's a a lot of. I mean, the only people it seems who could possibly who have thus far supported it are. Uh, people really new to football, and of course that means it's it's typically I mean, fans from the United States, fans from China, fans from uh, you know fans who are not Indonesia, like, or, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, India. So you know people who who aren't you know steeped in the history of uh, football and European football specifically, and uh, and then even more so like the intricacies of leagues. You know, I'm finding I'm seeing all these like people who know nothing about the sport. Saying, oh, you know, I always thought there were too many leagues over there anyway. This makes sense. Like, they just don't grasp the idea that the league is the country's, like, it's... They're like, oh, it'd be more like the NBA. No, actually, it's, it would not be because the NBA yeah, is a well, national the countries league. countries that don't grow up with the proper football and culture don't see anything wrong with it. And they're also probably the target um, audience of this Super League. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think if Agnelli, who... Uh, that man who's the uh, president or chairman of Juventus cites all these studies saying, oh, the average football fan doesn't actually want to watch the games. Um, they don't actually, they want to watch highlights. They want to watch, um, you know, high-level games every week. Well, well, that is all demographics of, you would say, 25-year-olds to 40-year-olds out of the country or out of the continent. Uh, the, you know, the average local football fan, that is the bread and butter of the the culture wants to go to the game um yeah you know have embraced the culture and, and wants play to watch their, local every match clubs. their team plays yeah. and have some merit where they're like going for the ultimate goal of being the champions of their continent and then potentially the globe but obviously the you know the yeah. the, the world cup not the world the the world club cup thing has never quite caught on to the extent that people maybe hoped it would but um yeah, I mean it, it's 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 tragic, but I think what what's underlying it, and I think you, you kind of spoke to that, and it's the sort of lack of humanity behind it, is that, and this is where I think we have some information. Um, a lot of the people involved in this are American, um, and so a lot of Turkish football fans might not be particularly aware of the extent to which football in the United States has basically lost to corporate interest uh, time and time again 
from the beginning of its, you know, like the, the, the peak, right? When, when the World Cup came here in 90 or whatever it was, um, all the way through till now. Yeah, 94. It was 94. Yeah. Um, uh, all the way through till now. And um, it had a lot of promise, I think, initially when the MLS started and all that. And, and immediately, like, it, you know, they made it clear that their interest was not in having promotion or relegation because, you know, the clubs that were already in it didn't want to risk um, the finances of being relegated, right? So uh, from the outset, financial interests sort of got in the way of um, creating peak competitive conditions for the sport culture, to yeah. thrive right and for the culture to thrive but more importantly for the sport itself for the players even right because our over-reliance on a certain way of playing probably has a lot to do with the, the fact that we don't quite understand the sport yeah, I mean, on, on the level that it's... i could go on for hours so we won't we won't dive into it but um yes the uh, the american system which is influencing the super league is good for the owners um, and it's bad for everyone else, the players, the fans, um, et cetera, and the quality of the play and everyone else outside of that bubble. And you're kind of what I what I, what I thought was nice. You have a little insider information that you just mentioned pre-episode recording. But um, what really speaks to what we're talking about here is that a prime aspect of the the financial stakes here the stakeholders, if you will, are literally venture capitalists who have thrived off of bankrupting, not just like individuals in the throes of a mortgage crisis, which would be bad enough, but entire nations. Uh, what, what, tell us a little bit about that, everyone. Yeah, so AC Milan's ownership as was turned over to uh, a hedge fund from the US, and that hedge fund got obtained AC Milan um, because the previous owners um, you know cannot pay their debts the uh, financial term isn't coming to my head right now but um, basically they you know they took AC Milan and then the uh, the the man of that hedge fund is known for buying up bonds very cheap from you know countries in South America or Africa and you know on you know pennies to the dollar they'll say and then he will wait until the time is right and then he will sue the nation for hundreds of millions um, that you know that they to take advantage of them and you know screw yeah. over the government because he doesn't <coughs> care they'll get his money force their uh, their payments through no I mean yeah I, I thought that was in a very dark way you could say hilarious and you know it just it speaks so much to to who these people are and what they're De- defaulted are. on the loans was the uh, financial term I was looking for the previous owners defaulted on their loans so that's how this American ownership group came into AC Milan who's now part of the Super League. Um, So, yeah, I mean, just the dirtiest of people doing the dirtiest of things. And Abramovich, you know, the typical. The the typical players. Um, The Glazers, those guys. But so it's it's really, I think, it's important to note that, like, this thing smacks of greed. It benefits uh, very few people in the long run and obviously in the football world even more so right it, it, it puts 12 or 15 clubs in, in a spot where they never have to worry again about finances yeah. and, and the logic of that is that somehow they shouldn't right well the rest of us yeah 99 uh, of us in the in the uh, around the continent of not just europe but obviously and beyond that beyond that um it's just it's even more weighted on this like power cabal which it's just nonsense yeah. I mean, any problems that people talk about saying, oh, you know, the you know finances have already always been a problem. It's o- o- always been concentrated at the top. There hasn't been enough competition. You know, these are all what the, the naysayers say. This is just making it like a thousand times worse um, yeah. for everyone. For I mean, it's, it's almost like um, making that the rule. Um, yeah, I, like in my head, it was like, let's say right now it's a forest fire as it stands. This is like a nuke. Yeah. Like, you, you, you don't yeah, want to make the Yeah, it's treating a forest fire worse. with a nuke is what it is. Yeah. Uh, maybe we ought to put it out. But no, yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's a phenomenally, colossally stupid and greedy idea. And I'll tell you what, and I'm, I'm, I'll even just go there. My it, This is dark conspiracy theory stuff here. But I I don't know if anyone recalls, but last year the, there was an effort to get premiership matches played in the United States. Or and even La Liga matches, and, and it was like roundly shut down. People hated it. 
no club would sign off on losing um, the the revenue for for matches or the like losing the, the opportunity for their fan base to have the opportunity to see their club play their season ticket holders there's there's all these complications and it basically got like okay well maybe we'll come back to this later uh, I have a dark conspiracy theory that coming back to this later may have been right and you think about all the American players JP Morgan investing whatever 40 million or billion or whatever the hell it was um, you know all of the clubs owned by Americans being involved in this I have a dark foreboding sense that had if this thing goes through or had it gone through I, I, I really hope that's what, how we can talk about it, uh, it the, the, all these matches or some of them or the finals or the last few rounds or some so there would have been some way to get competitive European football played on American shores and I have a real sense that that's what was kind of underlying this specifically um, the English teams have a massive following in the United States uh, I think in Michigan Manchester United played against someone and there was over 100,000 tickets sold um, and not to mention sure Real Madrid right Florentino yeah, they Perez can being put a Barcelona terrible... or Real Madrid in Miami and yeah. Um, you yeah. know soak up the dollars that you know even if maybe they're, they're thinking even even if the local fans boycott they'll just go somewhere else yeah, yeah. Uh, but whether it's Beijing Michigan Miami whatever California and so look make look, their money elsewhere there, there's there, I, and I want to like the reason I'm, I'm, I'm sort of harping on the greed aspect of this is because like there are other you we could be greedy too right as a New Yorker I could be like oh this would be great I'll get to see the Super League finals probably and you know uh, the yeah, MetLife Stadium yeah. great <laughs> Um, so that, that if I was like particularly greedy, I could I could take that angle, or we could even say that by essentially extricating themselves from European competition, it means that there'll be more opportunities for clubs like Besiktas to be in the Champions League. Right? You could you could sort of conceptualize um, a greedy, or we could be like, oh, we we deserve to be the Turkish representative in the Super League. <laughs> like everyone could have a, a greedy take on this, and they could kind of embrace the greed of it all. Um, and so I, I want to make a point of the fact that we're not doing that on the podcast. But I also want to give a kind of general shout out. Typically, football Twitter is a trash fire. And it's a racist, sexist, just a just a cesspool of terrible things. Um, but I actually, you know, in in the vein of, of you know, if you're going to call out negative things, I, you know, I, I think this a very positive thing has come of this. And it's that everybody seems to be uniting around how terrible of an idea this is. Um, even fans of the clubs who have signed up for it seem to be really against it. Um, again, you know, managers of those clubs, players on those clubs. So, you know, I, I think in a, in a funny way, we're all kind of rec- recognizing that there's a greed at play here that's that's really run amok and gone too far. And very few people can sign up for that or co-sign it. I think. Huh? Yeah. I mean, as an American, remarks? it's. Uh, things you've seen before um, businessmen with no experience in the game no actual love for the game no knowledge of the game um, just an eye for increased profits um, no knowledge of the culture of the game or care for the culture of the game we've seen it in the United States plenty of times and you know it's basically you know it's not even like you you there's no argument that the American model of this has hugely influenced the Super League, um, you know, coming to fruition potentially. So, yeah, and and so we speak very proudly against uh, whatever that model is, and certainly any of these efforts. It's 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 a they should be ashamed of themselves. Honestly, like that. Frankly, like I have no trouble saying that there have to be limits to what how far one can go in the name of making profit uh i i get it we all we all want to be comfortable and well for roof. you know for some of these owners they're willing to be vulture capitalists they, <laughs> they obviously really don't right? care very much well and so that's, they want to screw yeah. over the republic of congo they really don't care um indeed that's what they do so. no you know and uh, yeah it's just it's it sucks but uh, i'm glad so much of um the footballing world has sort of risen above it and can kind of very plainly see this for what it is and call it out. Anyway, 
<laughs> Let's move on. Uh, we obviously have a lot of bashing talk, talk and, and some big news. Um, previously, I had already covered everything leading up to the Ankara Guju match, uh, including Fener's beating uh, Gaziantep but, you know, before our match. So that was all covered. We kind of knew where we stood. Uh, what I should probably mention, I guess, is Ankara Guju's results uh, of late. Their last five, they drew. Oh, sorry. They beat Genschler, so a, a derby, an Ankara derby. They drew Konya. They beat Antalya, 1-0, so they, they got through the uh, Iron Curtain, if you will. They lost to Trabzon 4-1 on the road, uh, but then they had previously beaten Guztepe 3-0. Before that, they'd beaten Fatikara Gumruk 1-0, uh, and beaten Galatasaray, though granted a man down, 2-1. Um, so they were coming into this, actually, excuse me, despite being kind of down in the relegation zone, uh, in quite good form, huh? Yeah, they've dragged themselves out of the relegation zone in the second half of the season um, under Hikmet Karaman, and, and they came in in, in pretty good form. Um, so. And still, like, needing some results, because, you know, I think a number of those guys on the bottom have been... I like, yeah, can't still, say, like, resurgent, but, you know, they've there. been... Uh, it's still tight enough. They need to be uh, giving it their all. So, um, you know, tough opposition for us. I think a lot of us kind of predicted this one might be rough. But um, let's dig in. Let's talk lineups. Um, no real surprises, maybe, after the last few matches. So, uh, obviously, Erson in the back. Wellington and Vida on the back line. Um, Valentin Rosier on the right side. I mean, I guess Ridvan Yilmaz could have been a surprise, although... I mean, surprises doesn't really match, but um, Atiba and Joseph on the back line with Ozan, the man up front. I, I wonder if they listed that wrong. If it was the usual Joseph in the back with Atiba and Ozan ahead of him, um, and then Rashid Ghazal on the right side, and Kudu on the left, and Kyle Laren up front because again, Abubakar was out, uh, still out with that injury. Hopefully, in the name of caution, right? But. Yeah. Any comments on the lineup, or any comments on who who Ankara Guju tried out there? Um. Well, I mean, I guess for our lineup, I think there was a, a rumor that Dorukan might start. Um, that did not happen. Um. And then, I guess you know we didn't have a Bubakar, and obviously Jank ended his season, so wasn't too shocked. Maybe would have liked to see Lights, but you know Osana had a decent ish game <laughs> against yeah. Erzurum, so I guess, you know, he got the start again. Poor start to that match, but he kind of pulled it together, right? Um, yeah, uh, and, and any thoughts on who Ankara Guju fielded, you know, offhand? Any of the individuals stand out as, like, you know, coming into the match that you were Yeah, they were about? missing a couple key players. Um, I think specifically Lobzanidze, who was, like, you know, one of their, their classier wingers, and then their, you know, breakout center back Atakan Chankaya was out. Um, so, um, yeah, they were not full strength going into the game. And I was kind of hoping you. that Kitsu would... Kitsu is a solid guy on the right back. Yeah, I mean... Alper Potuk, they... anyone will remember him. <laughs> that jerk. Henry Gural, who's been bouncing around the league for yeah, 20,000 years. That's true. Um, Korjan Telikai, who uh, spent a little time in jail. <laughs> <laughs> in my lifetime um yeah so i don't know probably no real surprises there's like a yipping dog out there if that's being caught on, on the mic apologies that's way out of my control that's out of my realm um so yeah let's talk about the match any any, any other comments like going into it everyone not really not really right i mean we knew it would be important but anyway let's get into it um so right out of the out right from the outset and as as we like i think been trying to do we came out with some intention uh and it paid off right out right away uh in the 38th second of the match ozan is brought down although they didn't like a bunch of play happened afterwards so i thought they were gonna let it go but then they brought it to var and awarded a penalty to us uh, yeah. I'll, I'll hand it. I'll hand you the mic from here. <laughs> so Osan got the ball in like a really good position, and he took like a garbage first touch. Um, instead of you know 
basically lost his chance to shoot. Um, and then as the defender came to him, um, he kind of like pushed the ball into the ground and like bounced over the guy's foot. It was a big touch, so I don't think he was going to get to it, but the guy just uh, kicked him in the shin guard. Osan went down and then, you know, VAR called it back. I thought it was, I didn't expect to get the penalty. Was, I mean, it was a foul, but I didn't think he was getting to the ball. And usually they don't call that um, if you're not going to get to the ball. And it's not like he was slaughtered. It was just, you know, just a, a foul. And you know, yeah. we've had Pumped a lot of fouls. That was like a Wellington-esque penalty. And I guess we'll have yeah. to come back to that. Indeed. Um, but... Yeah, kind of like incidental, but also when you look at it, you know, okay, you can see how that could be a penalty. Um, but so yeah, what happened on the penalty itself, everyone? <laughs> um, well, Laren wanted to take it, but uh, Unkudu insisted that he was the man for the job, and um, he was laughing before he took the penalty, and uh, maybe he didn't think it was a real penalty because he, um, like, went for like sort of like a panenka but not really and he just like barely hit it and it went in between the corner and the middle and the goalie easily saved it and then he smiled again um to the you know the dismay of many of us we're all just like what the hell was that what Uh, the hell was yeah because i especially if you didn't see the panenka you know the thought process it just looked like a terrible penalty which it was um yeah. I'm gonna leave leave that to it Sergio wasn't Ramos. High off the ground, it was like barely off the ground. It so. like sputtered to yeah. Leave it to Sergio Ramos, pal. I think uh, maybe you're not up to task for that. Anyway, 17th minute. Um, so bad news, like add insult to injury, if you will. 17th minute, Ozan goes down for the count. Yeah. Um, and perhaps the, the the insult to injury is Bernard Mensa being the man brought in, uh, so he'd be playing much of this match. Despite having, I think, mentally checked out from the team already, knowing he'll be uh, in Kaiseri, enjoying the Manta again next <laughs> next fall. Um, any thoughts on the injury here? What's the final report on this, by the way? Is, he, is his season over? Um, I think it was. It's only like a, a couple weeks. Um, I haven't seen like, you know. I think it was the uh, assistant Emine Kojada said two to three matches he'd be out. But I don't know what the exact, um, like, you know, what the doctor said. What the exact injury is. But So I think I'll just be out for a few matches. All right. Um, so, yeah, continuing on uh, into the 28th minute, we'd get some action. Uh, Ridvan, a nice little run up the left side with a poor cross in the end. He'd cross it low. It would deflect out, however, and drop to Mensa, but he just wouldn't quite... Uh, be in a position to, to shoot it. It wasn't really his fault, but still looked like an opportunity for us to maybe get off, get out the gates. Uh, 31st minute, Geraldo, Geraldo, I don't know. Maybe I'm overdoing it with that, but he got a yellow. Uh, and then the 33rd minute, Voja would would uh, come into the match for Baji. Did did Baji get injured? I didn't even know he came out. Like I don't know. I don't know what happened. Like yeah, I, I, <laughs> I just like looked up and he was gone. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the only other like real chance up to this up to going into the half in the 44th minute, Joseph would uh, have to actually find Kyle Laren really well um, with a lead pass, and Laren would actually do pretty well uh, sending it on target. But Korjan would get a save off it uh, last minute. So we almost had a, a real chance there, I thought. I mean, Kyle Aaron did, actually. I think he got the shot off. So yeah, add that one to the XG. Uh, but anyway, the, the the real good news would actually just come four minutes later. Uh, and I guess, I mean, we scored, you know, on paper. Although we is a stretch. Uh, they scored uh, for us. Um, so tell us about the goal here on the 48th minute. Yeah, it was a uh, Gezal free kick. Clips it in. Um, it goes over Vita's head, and the goalie's about to catch it, but um, Kulisic decides he's going to jump up for the header. Maybe the goalie didn't yell. I don't know what happened, but he flicks it into his own net I'm away from the keeper. So Cool as you like. Perfect. Beautiful. Yeah, cool as you like. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, 1-0. We're, 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 we're up. And I think we deserve to be up. 
in the half. I mean, we didn't create much, but we created enough that we were definitely the dominant side. We had like 60% possession at the half, I think. Um, they had zero shots in the first half. Uh, yeah. More more substantive, substantively there. So, um, nobody really... This was a, it, was a, it was a pretty terrible match, honestly. <laughs> it was hard to watch at times, but I, I would say that we had the, the better half. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, it's not hard to beat one shot or zero shots. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right, but so there it is at the half. No subs made, um, and we would come out and, and like I I felt almost instantly like this was not good. We didn't come out with a fire. I thought maybe we needed a sub. You know, I mean, I guess we'd already been forced to to sort of make the Mensa Ozan sub, and we know um, Sergan likes to be sparing with those subs. So whatever. But. Um, Sure enough, actually, in the 51st minute, Mensa, no less, would be involved. A nice little pass out to Valentin Rosier, who would run wide with it and then uh, cross it in. Uh, what happened, Evron? Kyle Laren was robbed, <laughs> I would say. Uh, yeah, it was Mensa, as you say, he played it wide to Rosier, and Rosier clips in the cross. Or, not clips in, he kind of whips in the cross. Um, right across the six-yard box, and again, the main man Kulisic, Kulisic is uh, tries to stop Laren from again basically a tapping, but unfortunately diving, diving headers into his own net, um, which is kind of awkward because it was the same guy again. Not you don't see that too often, but you know, double own goal. Well, and and he he robbed Laren of what, what, what should have been an easy goal. Would have been his 15th or 16th, and frankly, 16th, yeah. that's like a, a cool million off of his price tag <laughs> in the summer that they just lobbed off with, by stealing it, jerk. Um, but I guess thanks, whatever. Um, so 2-0, we're up. Um, at this point, like I didn't feel like the second goal was particularly deserved. You know, I, They looked like they had come out perhaps the better side in the second half, uh, and they would um, not really prove it though, right? Just six minutes later... We scored again, and somehow, I mean, what happened here, everyone? Did that? Yeah. Did I miss um, something? <laughs> we had a, a counterattack. Joseph uh, maybe didn't make the right decision, but he played in Rosier, whose first touch was a little bit big, so Paintsill jumped in front but tried to shield him. Um, so Rosier kind of hopped around him and scored. And then, you know, Paintsill dived for the 14th time of the game, and the referee said, no, that's a foul. Uh, apparently, VAR doesn't exist. No, they just said no goal. <clears throat> really I weird mean, he touches him a little bit, but it's... You know, it's, it's incidental, and the man's already sort of falling, right? Because he's already made I can clear guarantee that you his... he weighs more than 25 pounds. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's a grown man. Um, that little touch is not a foul. Um, at any level above, like, you, like, as a referee myself, as long as it's not, like, a U9 game, I'm not calling that. If it's, like, a 12-year-old, I'm not calling that. Um, so I don't know why in the Super League that's a foul, but... So, yeah. Probably didn't see it properly. Uh, well, since they didn't even want to look at it, that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but so yeah, nonsensical um, decision there. I'm with you. I I, I get there's like a little bit of uh, arm arminess. You know, there, there's some physicality, but a it's going both ways, and b this pencil guy is like literally falling down already. Like he's made it clear yeah, he, that that's what he's gonna he's, do. He's done it constantly already. That he's just dropping like a sack of potatoes at any chance he has. Um, and sure enough, <laughs> uh, another six minutes later, this is becoming a theme. Uh, Rosier would miss a tackle, which was a, it was a bad miss, to be fair. Pencil sort of made him look silly, but uh, Wellington wouldn't wouldn't miss. <laughs> uh, but he would get a little a little too much, kind of classic Wellington dum dum contact there. Yeah, I mean he left his leg out, and Pencil obliged. Uh, Pencil didn't even want the ball anymore. He was like, "Oh, foot's out. Time to go down." Let me, yeah. Let <laughs> me just stick mine underneath there. <laughs> like if you if you watch the replay, he actually goes a little bit away from the ball to collide into to to Wellington. I mean, um, you know, and the referees. I don't know what's up with the referee. He's he's you know on penalty mode. He gave us a soft penalty, and he Didn't wanted that to one up Fenner it. as well, or who was that? Yeah, he wanted to give an even softer penalty. Um, I hate that. Nice to even the playing field. I don't know. Um, so yeah, another soft penalty, and um, Mr. Painesill would take it himself. 
Painsill might be a, a hit list entry. You know, I'm gonna <laughs> do a a preliminary. I'm gonna honk the horn. He's not there officially, but like if I see this, if I see any of this behavior again, he's definitely on there. At the same time, he strikes me as a guy who, you know, almost in the Barack mold, it was very effective, right? Because the man scores, and I won't give any spoilers away, but uh, he would remain a problem. Um, so yeah, he puts the penalty away, two to one. We still have the lead, though. Uh, although I think at this point we're all sweating. Um, 72nd minute, Gokan Tore enters the match for Nkudu. I think we can all agree Nkudu needed to be out. Um, was not playing well. Was terrible. 74th minute, uh, someone, some of us may recall this name. Or- Orkan Chinar would enter for Geraldo. <laughs> Geraldo. I don't- I don't want to Americanize this thing. That's happening a lot these days. Americanization. Um, 75th minute. A yellow card tied to a free kick. Uh, this Pinto fellow got himself a yellow. Uh, Rashid Ghazal got himself a free kick from deep. He would send it in to Kyle Laren. I think Kyle Laren was surprised how pinpoint precise it was. It fell right to his head, but Kyle Laren didn't quite get enough contact on it and it dinked yeah. into Cordon Telecai's eyes. Wide open header by himself and uh, he did not like generate any power on it. Yeah, I mean Answer. I don't it's like he didn't know it was coming, which you know, since that was A the job of Gazal to put it there and B his job to put it in the back you would think that that's exactly what you would expect to happen, but whatever. Yeah. I won't harp on it. Um, man had a goal stolen from Baikulisic, so he's probably a little grumpy, but whatever. Uh, 84th minute, Dorokan enters for Bernard Mensa. So that's not a good look for Bernard. Uh, coming in as a sub and then leaving, being subbed. Uh, also in the 84th minute, Nedjip would enter the match for Atiba. And you're thinking, okay, I get it. Dorokan, Atiba. Dorokan, Nedjip, and Joseph were playing defensive. But on the other hand, you could also say, wait a minute. Dorokan, Nejip, and Joseph. What are we doing? <laughs> like, isn't that a little excessive? Are we are we just sacrificing any uh, will to go forward? What's the logic? Uh, anyway, sure enough. Uh, within the minute of those of those subs, those defensive subs, Pinto would get a shot in, and Erson would make a fantastic save. Uh, thoughts on that one, everyone? Do you recall? Yeah, I think it was Emre Goodall. I think Pinto gave it to Emre Goodall. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, sorry. So, um, yeah, it was, I mean, it, it was a little bit close to the goalie, um, but so I think that's, that was, you know, if it was in the corner, it probably went in, but it was kind of like a rocket through a crowd of people. And, and it was like against the well. direction he'd been moving in, so he did well. Yeah, Erson reacted very well and got a strong hand to it. But that was basically their first real attempt through the run of play. And again, six minutes later, God, every time I say that, something bad happens. Six minutes later, in the 90th minute, just past the 90th minute, just into extra time, Kokantore gets a yellow for a... I mean, this one was just a clumsy tackle, I think. I mean, I think it was pretty similar to the uh, the foul that took away Rosier's goal. Um, Gekon stuck his hand out. Um... I mean, I guess you're not supposed to get your hand, but you know, usually we're used to watching people maul each other, and there'd be no fouls. But Payne still, again, dropped like a sack of potatoes at the sight of another man. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> definitely he he knew what the referee was calling, and he took advantage of that because, um, I mean, it was it was something every time, the exact same fall, <laughs> like guys, like you know, that rehearsed Burak fall. Um, and it's worth noting that Pencil is a is a fantastic penalty kick taker. So obviously he has some experience. Uh, yeah, man, it's part of his game plan, perhaps. Um, yeah. But so yeah, two to two. This is devastating. Perhaps I mean we we all maybe expected it after their their 63rd minute, you know, coming back a goal. But for it to happen like just as extra time set in, I think we were all hoping maybe we could hold out. Uh, and then bam. Um, They'd make some subs in the end. And this, I guess the interesting one is that Shaverdi Chetin came into the match. We almost, we were linked to him. That was probably nonsense, but he came in for Pencil in the 97th minute. Um, Erdi Dickman for Emre Gural. And that's the match. 
two, two. And so that's the that's devastating. We we go from bad news regarding the Super League to bad news regarding Besiktas. Um, a draw, not the end of the world, right? We didn't f outright lose. I think a loss would have been epically Worse. bad, and it could have happened. I think they had a, a late chance that was a little scary too. What didn't they? Uh, they didn't register a shot, but um, they, I don't even remember. Kind of some run at that or point. something. Yeah, man, we're all <laughs> out of it. Um, but so yeah, not ideal. Um, so yeah, both Galatasaray and Fener pull out wins as well after our draw, which you know compounds things, right? Makes everything all the worse. Um, any words on those results? How, what, what what were their scores? I actually forgot. Galatasaray. Got, got, got a pretty comfortable win. They went down 1-0 early um, against Gestapo, and then um, that's what it was. Yeah, that's right. They went up. They were up 2-1 at halftime and made it 3-1 in the second half. But they dominated their run of play. Um, Fenerbahce squeaked out a 2-1 win at Basakshir. Basakshir yeah. missed a late penalty. Vistja had his penalty, a very poor penalty saved. Um, I was rooting yeah, for yeah. orange and blue. Uh, the Bashakshi here and the Knicks played at the same time Sunday afternoon over here. So that was a funny. I had two screens, you know, a family that was probably like pissed at me. <laughs> so the works, you know, the, a perfect Sunday. Um, no, um, yeah, obviously it was it was hard to watch Fenair pull that one out because I think we were all hoping Bashakshi here could. could yeah, especially it was a time. ten man. Bashakshi almost got it back, but you know. It is what it is. I'm trying to remember that. I think Fenner got lucky too. Didn't they? Yeah, I mean, especially after they went up a man, they didn't really push their advantage, and Bashakshir actually played pretty well with 10 men, and, you know, obviously missed that penalty at the end, uh, which would have probably been that. So. But so, anyway, I guess let's let's... No, let's hold off on the standings. Tell us some stats, everyone. Um, <laughs> give us um, a rundown. Yeah. Um, Ankara Guju actually won the XG. Um, they had 1.9 to our 1.3, but 1.5 of that is from the two penalties. Yeah. Um, so they had 0.6 XG from the run of play, and about 90% of that 0.6 was from that one Emre Gudal shot right before the penalty. Um, and obviously zero XG before the 66th minute for Guji. Um, in terms of possession, we were at 62% possession, um, and we had 22 touches in their box, and they had 16 touches in our box, which is actually fairly even, um, all things considered. Basically, that they didn't do anything for 60 minutes. Um, shots set nine to seven in our favor, but tied three to three of shots on target. Sorry, did you mention possession? What, what was the final number on possession? 62% for the good guys. Yeah. So it actually um, increased in the second half, despite them probably being the better side. It's never good. And then individuals, I guess, you know, we'll start with the, the good ones. Joseph had a statistically solid game, two chances created. Um, if you remember the, uh, the Laren miss we talked about, and then he... Don't remember the other one, but... Um, like, I remember yeah, seeing it, but I can't remember the exact moment he did it. But 82% uh, pass accuracy, which is not bad. Um, four out of six duels won, which is a pretty good ratio, but maybe not a lot. Um, he had three interceptions as well. I mean, we could say this was a, a silver lining to the match. I mean, despite... I mean, there are a couple silver linings. One being that we have a match in hand again and all that. Because, uh, you know, after Finner. But um, also him playing well again you know getting back into good form would be a really important thing for this final stretch huh? yeah um hopefully he can especially he's been a big game player earlier in the season and we might have some big games if we don't um you know tidy up <laughs> so yeah um, our right side for was sure. particularly active uh Gezal had 21 duels entered which is the most on the team um, he won wow. 10 of those here, that's yeah. a market. It's a it's a market improvement in his game, by the way, th throughout the course of the season that he's gotten significantly better. And there was a time when Kyle Laren was the one who was yeah. kind of showing us how a winger could do that. 
And Gazelle has really stepped up, I must say. I mean, particularly when Laren doesn't play on the wing, he plays up top. Um, Gazelle kind of takes the brunt of the uh, the activity because Unkudu yeah. isn't exactly useful <laughs> doing his best. Yeah, so Gazelle also had three chances created, um, five out of eight dribbles completed. All-around decent game. Obviously, he had the cross for the first on goal. Unkudu, you know, his foil had zero chances created. Um, two big. Ch I think we didn't talk about. No, he only had one big chance missed. He missed another big chance, but it was offside. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll leave it to one, one like just the penalty missed. Um, he won seven out of 14 duels. Um, but he he won four free kicks, which was a lot, but he also only completed two out of six dribbles. Um, and, you know, zero tackles and zero chances created. Uh, Rose was also quite active. He had 11 recoveries and four interceptions, which is pretty high he was picking up a lot of loose balls but he only won four out of nine duels which is you know it wasn't like an awful game but it wasn't his best either um, and then as kyle throwing kyle laren he was actually quite efficient um but unfortunately he only no he completed 17 passes he won seven out of 12 duels which isn't bad like those are like but it's just like he didn't get on the ball a lot yeah, that's um, and the then he, he had those do. he had those two chances and he didn't do really much with them, um, unfortunately. So, hmm. and then one more, just I guess Mensa. Um, he played 67 minutes. He came on and came off in the same game. He entered three duels in the entire 67 minutes, which is not a lot. Um, I mean, he completed 32 out of 37 passes and. Basically, his only offensive contribution was swinging out Rosier on that own goal. Um, yeah. That which, was really um, bad. He was very quiet. A near hockey assist, I guess, since that didn't count, though, because uh, it was an own goal. Yeah, no. Um, terrible. I don't even... I, this is a, a, a day where it's, I think, harder to find a, a man of the match than it is to find a low light, because... Clearly, I think between Nkuru and Bernard Mensa, you have uh, someone easy to pick that could you could blame. You know, not, not you can't blame it all on. Obviously, like, it was a, it was a poor performance all around in that second half. But Nkuru is a guy who has come in as a substitute and done enough that you would just we'd love to see him translate that into a solid just match, and it seems to never happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's annoying. Especially it's really start. annoying. Especially from the start. That's yeah. That's what I mean. Like, it's one thing to be able to kind of use your speed for 20 minutes at the end of a game when everyone's tired, and and that's it's good. He can do that, and it's fine. It's great. We have a, a sub, but we paid a lot of money for dude, um, and he's a foreigner, no less, right? In a league that has yeah. supposedly increasing um, foreigner limits uh, impending, so. Um, to have uh, a nice super sub is not quite going to cut it, you know, considering he's like the 10th highest fee we've spent in, in our club's history and like, uh, we whatever. We get 100% I mean. of him, so. Mm -hmm. So whatever. Um, let's just move on from this one. Those are the <laughs> lowlights. As far as the highlight goes, I don't think we need one. Maybe Joseph. Maybe, yeah. I mean, there's a few decent players. I don't think there's anyone who I was like... Hell yeah, kind of performance. Well, I mean, maybe Gazal, because he technically had an assist and you know was useful. He even almost had an assist on the ground at one point. So, whatever. Um, let's talk standings, because this is, I think, what what we need to. Be. That's where that's what we're all thinking about now nowadays. Um, Besiktas has played 33 matches, has 71 points, and a plus 37 goal differential and it's time it's that time of the year for us to talk goal differential folks um number two Fenerbahce 34 matches played so one more that's important to note 69 points hope you do uh and a, a plus 27 goal differential uh and then third place Galatasaray also 33 like us 65 points so there's six back uh, and uh, plus 33 goal differential, so minus four on us. 
Uh, it's very important to note that in any head-to-head matchup, we, we beat both of these guys. Yeah, so, but we have to play Gala again. So yes, exactly. That's like that so far. Uh, but so the worst case scenario with Gala is that, that we have an equal head-to-head and then it would go to goal differential. So there are plus four goal differential. Remember, we were down like nine at some point, not that long ago. So um, that's a good turn of events for us and could be decisive. Although it might not even be, it might not even matter. Um, our fan base is in full panic mode. Uh, I don't know where you sit on this, you know, where you are on the fence here. Um, if you're on the fence like I am, rather, you know, I'm not panicked. I'm obviously not, like, thrilled, but uh, I'm certainly, you know, I, as a fan, I've seen Besiktas be in the position of, of where you have Fenerbahce and Galatasaray more often than not. You know, we're always in that position of, like, oh, like, if if these guys lose twice and, and that, those guys, like, can drop one point and, 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 like, maybe, and if we can outright win our last six or seven matches, like, then we can be the champion. It literally, like, it's never panned out in those scenarios for us. And that's just my personal anecdotal experience. And I think the, the same anecdotal experience for most of us, <coughs> most of us Besiktas fans. So for a moment, considering we're, like, probably, I'm going to say 0 for 15 in, in my sort of lifespan as a, as a conscious Besiktas fan in those scenarios, at least we're not there, right? Because then we could say we're probably going to be 0 for 16. In this case, we're on top. Uh, we have a two-point lead over Fenerbahce, uh, six-point lead over Galatas today. We have a, a game in hand over Fenerbahce, so so we could actually theoretically have a five-point advantage over them. We have the head-to-head over over Fener no matter what. Yes. Um, obviously, like, look, we're not playing particularly well right now, and that's a concern. But you know, at the, at the same time, we still have the advantage. We would have to kind of colossally collapse, which would mean not just Losing against Galatasaray and Siva, we'd have to we would have to lose against Galatasaray and Sivas essentially. Yeah. Um. And then uh, on top of that, Fener and Galatasaray would have to win out all of their their matches still. So, you know, I get the foreboding like, come on, is this gonna fall apart? That sense, you know. But at the same time, tone like some people are in, in like you know they're starting to crap on our players and, and on Sergan and, and just like throw the whole bus uh, under the bridge you know and it's like calm down take it easy step back like we have to maintain morale because we want uh, to support this team through this very vital remaining stretch of games we can't we can't allow negativity to overcome us right now uh, what are your thoughts on all this Efron? you know two words Vincent Abubakar um I have a hundred percent faith in the man that if he plays, we'll be fine. Um, I, I have so much faith in this man. I, I'm <coughs> just worried that he won't play. Um, I think if he's on the field, I can't see us continuing to be so impotent up front. Um, if you look at the last games he played before international break, the Fener game, I guess, was the, the the one time he didn't put a goal in, and he was still excellent. He, that, which I think you know that was a shame, but he scored the game before that in the cup. Assisted the game before that, two goals in the game before that, assist in the game before that, and a goal assist in the game before that. Um, he was carrying the, us in all those games. Um, and we and, can get the family man, and you know where he belongs on the left side. Yeah, where he's effective. Um, I, you know, I just I have 100% faith in my man. Um, I wanted him for the last like three years, um, and now that he's here, I'm not gonna, you know, his ex, especially he's underperforming XG right now. Um, you know. It's not like gotta, he's gotta make that right. some fluke season. Uh, you if, gotta make it right. You gotta score like four. If he, like, you know, if he starts performing his XG, you know, he'll be dropping two goals or one or two goals every game. Like, if he pulls a Bupenza, you know, he could score 10 goals, 12 goals in the last few games, no problem. Um, so, I'm quietly confident as long as my main man stays healthy. Um, unfortunately, we lost our insurance to the Jank soon when we lost hostage and, you know, stuff like that. But as long as. Abubakar is there. I'm, I'm okay. And I have good news. A, um, throughout the week, training photos have come in, have been coming in with Abubakar, training with the team, not on the side. And B, uh, NTV has already sent in their Mutemel, you know, they're, 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 they're 11, and Abu is in there. Um, 
so I don't, you know, obviously it's all nonsense <laughs> with the Turkish yeah. football media, but I mean, at least indications thus far seem good yeah. that we're going to get some Abubakar in our in our lives Fourth tomorrow. also put their predicted 11 out and they have Abubakar in there. Um, so the, the main man himself, Dikme, hasn't put out his 11, but um, so far the predicted 11s have our main man Abubakar in there, so. Um, cross your fingers, folks. <clears throat> Obviously, um, we've run real tight up against our, our upcoming match, uh, you know, against Sivas. So obviously, you know, fingers crossed for that. So it's going to be a huge match. Other news: uh, Tyler Boyd will not be playing. He's injured. He didn't play against Genshler either. So it's not like a conspiracy, folks. For any, if there's any rankly listening out there, but um, yeah. Uh, so. I guess that's good news for us. Like we, a guy like that could want to impress by having a good performance against us. So it's maybe good that he's not going to be able to do that. <laughs> um, and I mean, he likes us too, so I'm glad he's not being put in that position. Seems like he wants to come back next season. So, um, hey, this is helpful in that regard. Um, but yeah, I mean, we got to win. We got to win. Sivas, got my eye on you, Sivas. <laughs> You're going down. I hope. <laughs> um, any final words, Evron? Um, team Abubakar. Hashtag Uncle Abubakar. Um, yeah, that's about it. That I'm putting all my marbles in in one bowl. All my all my chips are in on him. So. Oh, a last little bit of fun news. Um, some guy did this like thing looking at fan base activity and all that, 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 and, and another good result for Besiktas. We're in the top ten. We are three, six, seven, we are ninth. Uh, Real Madrid first, Barcelona second, Espanol third, which is weird to me. Man U, Bayern Munich, Liverpool, Juve, Chelsea, and then Besiktas. Uh, and we're the only Turkish team in that group. We spent a year tracking daily active, engaged social fans of 10,000 sports and sports teams. And this, so this is top 15 football clubs in Europe. So it's not like relative to other sports teams. So I don't know. Maybe we don't beat like the Lakers or something, but. Um, not bad. I've Best seen um, other ones with American sports, and I think we beat every American team except the Lakers. I think is in terms of um, Twitter interactions. I've seen something. like an outdated one where we were doing great. Yeah. But, um, I'm surprised. The Turkish people are renowned social media warriors, so I guess Barcelona <laughs> and Fener fans are deflated this year. With, uh, they, they're not able to buy things the way they'd hoped or something. Anyway. Uh, enough slander, I suppose. Folks, follow us on Twitter uh, at Eagles underscore podcast. Uh, follow myself at Sir underscore writes underscore a lot. Everyone's Mr. No social media still, I suppose. Um, follow us on Instagram, Black Eagles podcast, one word. Uh, yeah, and as always, I suppose I really need to say, Go Magic Peace out, everyone. Gotta beat Sivas. Let's go. <laughs> Any comments, everyone? <laughs> Besiktas Ankara this game, first off, comments. We started well and finally well-deserved penalty kick awarded. Not by the ref, but the uh, assistant ref through the video. Uh, but Enkudu missed it. When we watched the replay, uh, our Canadian Eagle, Kyle Larry wanted to take the penalty. But Enkudu didn't give him and he used very soft kick and the goalkeeper Korjan saved it. 
After that, another bummer happened. Uh, first 15 minutes, Osano Jakub was playing well. He injured something happened to his uh, ankle and he was replaced by uh, Bernard Mensah. And since then, we lost the rhythm. And Enkudu uh, showed careless, uh, not taking seriously the game. He started losing or taking unnecessary shots, losing the ball unnecessarily. And while all team is 100% focused, he was smiling for everything he made. And that, that looked a bit stupid in the first half. And only organized attack with the pass into Karl Lerin. His shot blocked uh, by the goalkeeper towards the end of first half. Other than that, and the dying minutes with the Gezals cross into the penalty box, forced Ankorogic defender to score on goal. That was uh, actually what should have been with the penalty kick and uh, uh, we at least start with a breath, uh, breath in the second half and we'll see what will happen. But the first half we had 71% ball possession, but it didn't show on the creation opportunities in the penalty box area. What I think is Larin is not uh, performing well in the striker position. I would put him on his very best on the left side and put anyone else, even Najib as a striker and take the Enkudu out for start of the second half. I don't think Sergen Yalcem will do that though because we already used one option of the uh, sub. Uh, probably he will wait until 60th, 70th minute. Ankaragücü didn't pose much uh, risk for the first half. But in the second half, probably they will force also because they are already out of the relegation zone. They are comfortable. Anything they gain from this game, it's a plus for them and also plus for our opponents. But if you win this game, if we keep three points out of this game, it will put a lot of pressure on our opponents Galatasaray. Tomorrow they are playing in Izmir against Göztepe. That's a tough game. Many players in Galatasaray has COVID positive or injured. And also the, their president said during the midweek that all the Galatasaray players are having uh, orgies and not focusing on the games. Then on Sunday, Fenerbahce will play against the Başakşehir, the last year's champion. Um, Başakşehir is in a very critical situation and only seven games left and they, may, they are facing on the relegation. Our win today uh, will probably drop some hopes from the Fenerbahce side and I expect Başakşehir also get some points from Fenerbahce on Sunday. Let's see, we have another 45 minutes to go. Saldır Beşiktaş, Sadan Eagle, Emre. It's quite a surprising score actually after the second half. Again with the help from the Ankara Gücü defender, same guy scored second own goal. And when we made it 3-0, the ref didn't allow the Valentin Rossier's goal. And after that, two easy penalties. Uh, no need to be too pessimistic about it. Because as Sergei Yalcin said after the game, all the subs came in the game, did not perform or provide the support to team what Sergei Yalcin expected to have, especially Bernard Mensah. And in the beginning of the game, the Enkudu was careless when he took the penalty shot. And I believe these are good learning for us. And Tuesday we will play against Sivas Sport. Hopefully Abu Bakar will join. We have right now five point difference against the nearest uh, opponent Fenerbahce. And they have uh, going by on Tuesday. And uh, still also they'll play against uh, Başakşehir on Sunday. If we win the Sivas game, everything will look rosier again. The, this, this situation does not need to make us all go down and uh, like the hell broke and stuff. We just need to stay calm, regroup and prepare for the next game. And I think it gave clear message that Enkudu and Mensa is not the one starting in the 11 against the Sivas Sport. I don't think even Mensah should be coming to any game anymore because he, he lost many chances, but coach gave it to him.
it is ridiculous now until tuesday we're gonna listen all the how great Ankaragücü was, how great Ankaragücü coach was. I mean, we had the game 2-0, we lost the concentration, we didn't fight hard enough to uh, keep the score. They were making harder fouls on our players than we were making what much weaker fouls on them. And this is our own pitch. We need to be stronger, we need to be actually uh, defend our castle, defend our home better. And the referees do not allow this. I and mean, they easily show the card to us while they are tolerating the opponent's much harsher fouls without a card. Let's see. I mean, still uh, Besiktas is in the strongest position. And uh, all media, all social media will try to show this otherwise. They will prove as the Fenerbahce is five points ahead of Besiktas. But not. We just need to stay calm and focus. When we win Sivas game, everything will be better. That's all for now. Have a good one. Have a good weekend. Bye. Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.